The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Exactly where we at. Pull up to the tailgate, stop by F1. Baptized by the Pope, been bass for everyone. Flying in from the West Coast, even overseas. Get blessed by Ginger Jesus. We disciples of the tree. Wait, CHMP. S, don't stress, we on the same conquest. Dominate the division, destroy the NFC, conquer the AFC. Grab that Vince Lombardi. Went to AJ, climb it up the gut. Be grand with the strip sack. This sound familiar, huh? I can go on the slot. Sproles with the return, Mills with the pick six, okay, wait, it gets worse, Jay train on the run, J.E. hitting from 60, Fletcher seeing that D-line, that's what you don't want to see, Irks catching tugs, foes on another level, the Superboy, the only time you see that Philly special, we live from Broad Street, brotherly loves the heartbeat, hungry dogs run faster and we don't eat cheap, no one likes us and we don't care, cause we from Philly and we ain't never scared, look up. But I just gotta know... One thing. Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? What's up, Philadelphia? We. Live broadcasting from Wildfire Sports Studios for NBC Sports Philadelphia. Welcome to the 4th and John Show, episode 72. All right. All right. Let's get into it. Boys and girls, I don't know that I can properly define the term Super Bowl hangover. I don't know if I have the words to properly articulate it, nor do I have enough experience in this field to speak on it with any sort of expertise whatsoever. This Super Bowl thing is new to me, as it is new to all of us, both in winning it and defending the crown the following year. But 
If I were to show you what a Super Bowl hangover looks like, I would simply present to you the first five games of the 2018 Philadelphia Eagles season. Because when they have won, it hasn't been pretty. And when they have lost, it's been ugly. It's been hideous. It's been downright tough to watch. When they're winning, it's against the Indianapolis Colts and the Atlanta Falcons in some fourth quarter, last minute, red zone stand. Easily could have lost those two games. And when they lose, whether it's Tampa Bay, they get punched in the mouth and don't figure a way to get back up on their feet. Whether it's giving away a a game away against the Tennessee Titans when they led in the second, the third, and the fourth quarter and led in overtime. Or whether it's the most depressing defeat of the season, which is to the Minnesota Vikings, 23-21, to and boys and girls, the score wasn't even indicative of how close the game was because it was not close whatsoever. The Eagles got their asses kicked. I don't know when the Eagles look in the mirror if they see the reflection of that 2017 season. And I don't want to hear E-Rock, don't talk about the previous Super Bowl. That's in the past. That's ancient history. That was February 2018. And when I look at my calendar, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is still 2018. I just don't get it. And I could sit up in here and bitch about the penalties, and I will. I could sit up here and complain about the secondary giving up too many big plays, and I will. I could whine about the offensive line not giving Carson Wentz enough time, and I will. And I could whine about the turnovers, and I will. But the bar's been set too high for this. I'm not interested in whining, bitching, complaining, pissing, or moaning about any of this. I want answers. Because you are still the defending Super Bowl champions, and I need you to see that reflection in the mirror. Hopefully, we will discover some answers right here Tonight, Mr. Gail Saunders, Eagle Sessions on Twitter. You were there with me at the game. Ooh. How are you doing tonight, sir? Uh, you know, at this moment, I'm not feeling too good with seeing our record. Two and three does not feel good. It just doesn't fit right. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz uh, was in the tunnel, and he, he looked at the – he was in the huddle in the tunnel talking to the players. He said, a lot of people right now are wondering what are the Eagles. They don't, they don't look the same. Something is off. Something is missing. Today we make a statement. And what, what was that statement that we saw this Sunday? And, and good friends will tell you the truth. You know, like yeah. sometimes the truth is ugly. And I, right now the Eagles truthfully are not a good football team. Uh, when you look at the numbers, I mean, you know, Eagles are the only eighth defending Super, Super Bowl champ in NFL, NFL history to start two and three. Only one has made the playoffs. Uh, most fumbles in the NFL, only two teams are worse in the turnover d- differential. Nine turnovers, only four teams have more. 25th in points per game, second fewest in first quarter points. Uh, tied third for most in penalties. I mean, the numbers are there. You can't, you just can't, uh, at the end of the day, you can't, you can't move on. You have to be truthful, and the, the reality is this team is fundamentally not sound right now. And you have to look at Doug Peterson. You know, Doug, yes, he won us a Super Bowl. You know, I, I hate to, for us to go back and forth and say, we won a Super Bowl last year. You know, it's, it's, I live in the now. And right now, I hear you. 
you're 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 putting embarrassing football out there. This is not the team that we know. This is not the identity that we know this team to be. Yes, there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of players are injured, but when when you have guys going off sides, not lining up, these are fundamental fundamental fundamentals. So we need to get back to being a fundamentally sound team. But what I don't understand is how in one month in 2018 you go from hoisting a Lombardi trophy to months later working on fundamentals. We're going to try we're going to try to figure all this out and we brought in the heavy guns, all right? We brought in the heavy artillery M60. today because we need th- this wasn't going to be just a group therapy session like last week was. Wasn't satisfied with that, was not about to put that on tape despite what the Eagles were putting on tape. What I wanted today were answers. Damn it. Answers. So I brought in the big guns here in studio. We have Mr. Aton Shander, Shander Show. How are you doing this evening, my friend? Gentlemen, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. I-, I wish I could sit here and spend four or five minutes just talking about the great things that you do on a weekly basis and how much you've grown this into such a must-listen-and-watch podcast anytime that you guys put anything out on social media. But you're right. Thank you. We need we need answers. Yeah. And I'd be doing the, the listening audience a disservice because... That's why they come here, for answers, for legit answers as why things are going right, why things you look at trends that are working last year and you focus on that and that's why you feel good about it. And this year, I'll give you a perfect microcosm of me listening to your introductory monologue, Rocket, and I'm thinking, what better microcosm for this hangover than the offensive line, than a group that is fully intact from last year, not dealing with major injury. Yeah, Jason Peters looks like he's playing through something, and most likely he will at the end of the year or maybe even before that we'll find out. But this is a group that's intact, that it should be out there looking far better than they are, both executing and communicating, yet there's a major disconnect from last year. And what's more evident of that disconnect is Carson Wentz can't breathe. He can't breathe back there. So there needs to be something up front that changes in order for receivers to get better, for, I should say, it get easier for receivers, for it to be easier for Carson Wentz, for it to be easier for the running game that's not struggling but just being neglected. It starts with this offensive line. And that's the easiest fix because you're not dealing with Darren Sproles out, Mike Wallace out, Nick Foles in for two weeks at that position. This, is, this group is here. So it frustrates me to no end that our quarterback is out there under all this pressure and fire for really not no reason, but very little reason. These guys are all pros on both ends. Like There shouldn't be miscommunication to that level. It, it, it is unbelievable to witness. And, and you just talked about... And thank night. you for having me here. Well, I mean, no, we appreciate you coming in, man. <laughs> this is a little bit of therapy for us here, getting an outside opinion on exactly what's going on with the Eagles. Gail, you touched on it a little bit on the numbers. I was digging around all day, looking at numbers, searching for answers. And you know me, I'm not a numbers guy, right? Because you can see on the field that the Eagles are struggling. You yeah. don't have to dig into the numbers. But I got a few things. We're going to revisit that real quick. Evan Hollywood Hearn, working the soundboard. How are you this evening? I'm, uh, I'm not doing too well. I got to be honest with you. I, I came to, I had a stark realization over this past weekend. The identity of the Eagles that I grew up knowing was a team that lacked an identity. And that is what is really how, how my body, how my mind is really starting to feel about this team. I mean, we went into this season 
thinking that we were super deep in secondary and that we we were going to be able to stop our defense was going to be stout we were going to be able to hold both the pass and the rush all season long Jalen Mills is getting burnt like toast out there mm. and who would have thought going into week six that our most consistent running back that we have going in right now is Wendell Smallwood yeah <laughs> it's a scary thought it's true like how, how how have we fallen from the graces of, of parading down Broad Street to now, Wendell Smallwood is our feature back, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Old Navy himself. Yeah. And I, heart, I, I hate to trash on your boy like that. but <laughs> not, I, I, not really my boy. But life comes at you fast. It does, man. It does. It was a quick turnaround. And um, I have faith in Doug Peterson to turn this team around. I really do. But the beginning quarter of this season has really just has me feeling uneasy. Absolutely. Now, now getting back to the numbers. Because, again, you can watch this Philadelphia Eagles team and know that the chemistry's off. Yeah. Know that the timing's off. Know that the communication's off. You can see an overall lack of confidence in this team, both on the field and on the sidelines. Doug Peterson not aggressively play calling in spots where last year he might have done exactly that. So I'm digging around and I'm looking at my numbers, right? Because I make the I pre-prep, I, I pre-prep I these see, show man, sheets. Look at you. Yeah, you know I like to be prepared. You I like, have to, I like be. to at least act like a pro. So usually I'll have all the rankings yep. for the team and the opposing team, so I can compare the teams and where they rank offensively, defensively, so on and so forth. But so often this season, the opponent hasn't been whoever the Eagles are playing. The opponent has been. The Eagles themselves. So I went back and I looked at the numbers and I started comparing them to last year. And what I found out was there's not a whole lot that's off. From penalties, right? No, 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 no. I'm talking overall. Yards per game offensively, they're, they're, they're averaging uh, uh, two yards less than they were last year. Rush defense, they were le- uh, ranked second. This year, they're ranked first. Time of possession is still there. Pass defense, believe it or not. Yeah. Pass defense, not too, too far off. I mean, 50 yards is 50 yards, but not but not, not so far off that it would, it would be unbelievable. Can somebody please tell me what the <laughs> f*** is going on? <laughs> Points per game defensively, 20.8 this year, 18.4 last year. So I'm looking at these things. I'm like, well, that's well, 10 points. No, 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 no. Oh, 20. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, part yeah. Of yeah. Me, part of me. So there's, uh, what about that? offense? Do you have that? Well, here's where we're, here's where it is. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean here, to step on. No, that. no, 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 no. I'm no. waiting here, for the juicy one. Right, right. I'm here, waiting for here's, it. I figured it was a shoot a drop. Here's the secret sauce. Here's <laughs> what E-Rock discovered in his toy chest of numbers. Offensively, points per game. Last year they were third in the league with 28.6 points. This year they are 25th in the league with 20.6. That's mm. an eight-point differential. Go back, boys and girls, and revisit those losses and tell me those eight points wouldn't have come in handy. And then I look at my man John Clark puts out this tweet. First time in 20 years, third time in the last 43 years, that the Eagles have yet to score over 24 points. Eagles only have seven points in the first quarter. Only the Browns have less. Eagles have 33 points in the first half. Only three teams have fewer. The Eagles' offense simply is not putting up the same amount of points that they were last year. That's embarrassing. Well, the and, thing, that, that's tough, man. But wait, here's the even better it one. It gets worse? It gets worse. Here's the even bigger differential that has my heart hurting. This year, 
The Eagles are minus four in turnover yep. ratio. They're coughing the ball up. They're not getting those takeaways. Last year, they were ranked fourth with plus 11. That's a 15 turnover swing. Mm. Five weeks. In five weeks. So, in other words, if the Eagles didn't turn over another, didn't intercept, didn't get another interception, or didn't commit another, another fumble, they would have to have 15 takeaways to make up for that differential. Wow. The Eagles offense is simply coughing it up. Yep. They're not getting the points on the board. And they're not getting the takeaways from the defense. That's what I discovered. What do you guys think? Well, I'm mean, also they're not converting on third downs. Yes. Uh, plus, they're also dropping the ball a lot more on third downs, which which is last year we we were money guys were money last year at this time of the year not dropping balls, but you're seeing uh, I don't know the uh, the itis uh, in the hands. Uh, I don't know if it's the Jordan itis. Uh, Matthews itis. <laughs> I don't know if it's contagious like uh, we, we talked about last week, but I'll also. You know, we're not playing championship football. I mean, champ- champions do the small things. You know, like, you know, Wendell Smallwood catching a ball on third and three, that that brings us right down to the first and goal. Jay Jai just running in uh, a touchdown, not fumbling the ball. Uh, you guys know who Steven Weathersley is? No. He's the guy that beat uh, Lane Johnson uh, nice. inside to, uh, you know, make the, the fumble, cause the fumble. Last week was Harold Landry on Lane Johnson. Uh, these are the small things that irritate the hell out of me because you know, uh, I, I, do you think this team is like actually starting to smell themselves a little bit? Some some Starting players, how, how some players, you know, because some players you can see that they're working hard, like you know, like they're playing outside their. Well, the Smallwood is balling out of control for himself, but other players they're not like stepping up to. Where we know they can play. But they're still making mistakes. To Nobody is, is having like a complete game except for maybe Carson. Smallwood will have a good game on the ground, but then he'll block Jason Kelsey's ass because he can't pick a blitz up. Yeah. And it, so there's never like this complete that you can go to. A Jai, now he's out. There's, there's always something to fall back on that's causing a problem. And, and you're right. You bring up these little things that championship teams do, and it's a concern because you start to look around and they add up. We're going back two years to where this team didn't know how to line up, to where Nelson Aguilar nearly got Zach Ertz hurt because he didn't know how to line up on the field. Th- these are mistakes oh, wow. two years ago yeah. that the we're going game, back to. The Seahawks game, I think it was. Yep, there, yep. Now, yep. now think about this. I ask, I don't know, I ask, and I'm not knocking because we love him because of what he did last year. Damn it, if Reich and Filippo are gone, he's still here as a legit head coach. But it doesn't mean that he can get lax. And maybe, to your point, Gail, that there is a lack of accountability. And guys who have won and been like, I did this last year. You didn't even tell me any different. And that combination of you're not telling me any different with you're not going to hold me accountable if I make a mistake. And again, we all go to the gold standard. But what happens if you put the ball on the carpet in New England? Your ass is on the bench. What happens if you make mistakes like basic mistakes? And we should be striving for what they do up there. Because there is a quarterback that we all agree on can be legendary if he grows into that. So maybe, maybe there's like, it's, it's a combination of players smelling themselves and lack of real accountability when it comes to specific stuff that maybe you guys got last year. You know, it's interesting uh, the way that Schwartz has 
uh, consistently stuck his neck out for Jalen Mills. When we talk about performance-based. It is strange. You know, and, and like the accountability factor. Yep. And you you know the teammates are, are like, they go back in the locker room or you're, they're out hanging out with each other. Like, yo, man, Mills got to step up or something. <laughs> something. Or, or something. something. Right. Like uh, we're and, saying it on the field. And Sidney Jones is like, mm, I might be able to play on the outside a little bit better than that. <laughs> you know, like, and then you have Jim Schwartz just like continuously – this, I mean, I heard that he had Jay, uh, his son has Jalen Mills jersey. He's like one of his favorites. Uh, like I, I don't know why he's playing favorites with Jalen Mills. So tough. Like at at the end of the day, like we, even we were sticking up for him in the beginning of the season. Yeah. But now it's becoming a problem. It's a habit that's occurring. Uh, the separation that these guys are getting on a weekly basis. The double move is a thing. And who was it? The the Giants? Was it the Giants last season when they when they started killing us with double moves? And now ever since yeah. then, yeah. it's been double move mm-hmm. heaven with with our cornerbacks. And and to tie in Aton, what what you're saying about Doug Peterson, we and we love him, but and to tie in what I was talking about with the turnovers and the points per game, right? Mm-hmm. If you take a look back at the Eagles Vikings game, the Vikings scored ten points off of turnovers. They had that big old lineman rumbling down the sideline for a touchdown. And on that Jay Ajayi fumble inside the 10-yard line, I think it was even inside the 5, the Vikings went on to kick a field goal after that drive. There's 10 points off of turnovers. Meanwhile, what are the Eagles doing with their turnovers? Kirk Cousins throws an ill-timed backwards pass, right? We get the ball back. couple penalties later, all of a sudden we're looking at a third and 20. Alshon Jeffrey almost catches the ball right at the first down marker, and now we're stuck with a decision to make. Big you-know-what Doug is stuck there with a decision to make. Do you punt right there? Do you go for it? You can't go for it. Or do you trust your kicker to make, I don't know, something along the lines of a 58-yard field goal, Mm -hmm. which he's done in the past? Well, what do you do? Without any wind blowing in the stadium, it's not like wind was a factor. It's not like the lights were in his eyes. What does he decide to do? Bring the offense on to try to draw them off sides and then punt. What does that tell you about this team? Zero confidence in the execution. Zero confidence they can get it done. Zero confidence. There was a point in time last year when if it was 3rd and 11, we were all laughing to ourselves. Ah! Watch this. Watch what Carson Wentz is about to do. 3rd 11 right now? feels like a mile away. What's with the identity of this team? I keep leaving the stadium or turning off the TV with more questions than I do answers. It should be reverse. Yes. This is the same head coach who last year called the Philly special in the Super Bowl with the backup quarterback. You should be more aggressive now that you got Carson Wentz back, who is, for all intents and purposes, fine moving around the field. It doesn't look like he's struggling moving and throwing the football. So how are you going from maxing out an Acura like, or maybe a Honda to now getting like a Jag and going slower in the right lane? Like He should be reversing this whole process, and we should be like, dude, slow down. You're way too aggressive this year with Carson Wentz coming back healthy. Right. And instead, it's the opposite. We're questioning decisions like that, which is beyond valid. I mean, we need answers for stuff like that. That's not things you could just explain away. Oh, the analytics guy told me, or we look at the chart. These are things that are mind-boggling. 
that are not reflective. And again, it's the same head coach. That's why when you open up, I think there is validity to talking about what happened last year, guys, because we're talking about such a similar group. How much has Doug Peterson truly changed since January and February? Right. How much has anybody else who's been there truly changed as a human being? It's not like seven years. It's been eight years since Doug Peterson was last in the playoffs. <laughs> what? The guy was in the Super Bowl last year. What the hell happened? I don't know. I don't know. But I've, I have been pounding the table all offseason saying there is nothing above the repeat. I've been pounding the table all offseason saying somehow this Philadelphia Eagles team in 2018 is better than the one in 2017. You're getting Carson Wentz back. You added Michael Bennett. Sidney Jones is healthy. I'm having trouble justifying that Frank Reich, Reich, DiFilippo, uh, uh, Patrick Robinson, LeGarrette um, Blunt, Blunt, and Trey Burton— have that much of an effect on this team where they could go from hoisting a Lombardi one month in 2018 and next thing you know have a losing record in 2000 and another month in 2018. I mean, it is now here's the good news. I'll tell you the good news. While I used to pound the table and say there's nothing above the repeat, I am now pounding the table and saying there's nothing above the NFC East. <laughs> because the NFC East is an absolute dumpster fire right now. It's brutally bad. It's br- it is terrible. The Redskins at 2-2 two and two are now leading your division. Now, here's the good news. Gail, you'll remember this moment because you and I were about to do a hit on PST. We were sitting in the green room, and a big poster on the wall contained the Philadelphia Eagles schedule. And it was conveniently cut in half. The left-hand side was the first eight games, and the right-hand side was the last eight games. Bye week, of course, is week nine. I know I'm setting the bar incredibly low after previously stating that the bar had been set incredibly high. But Eagles, and hear me out on this one, I need you to get to 500 by the bye. I know that's setting the bar incredibly low. But after the bye week, if you take a look at the final eight games of the season, one game is against an AFC opponent in the Houston Texans. Winnable game. Two games are against clear-cut NFC playoff teams in the Rams and in the Saints. The other five games are winnable games with teams with losing records and or 500 within your own division. This is the point in the season, and if you remember when my preseason predictions, I'm not proud of this, but I kind of called this one coming. (laughs) I kind of called it. I got everything. Yeah, I got spoken everything right. Okay. I, I don't give me that spoken. I don't spoken want your money it. touching my money. I said the Eagles uh, would be five hundred at the buy. They would get off to a slow start. I had everything right except Tampa Bay, and then catch on fire and find their identity, get their feet underneath them, and get hot at the right time the last eight games. If you're able to beat Dallas at home, go to New Orleans, maybe squeak one out, then you got Giants and Washington at home, at Dallas, at the Rams, Houston, and then wrapping it up against Washington, the bulk of your NFC East opponents come in the second half. And again, your Redskins lead the division at 2-2. and These are winnable games. You have, like, I know I'm asking for the minimum going into the bye, and I'll be asking for the world after the bye. But it's what needs to be done in order to get this team to the playoffs. Are you going to look at this team trying to establish 
whatever identity they can before they hit that chunk. Because you bring up the division games, right? And and those are ones that are going to be tough just because it's division. And granted, I'm not saying it's going to be close as far as the end result, but it might be tougher than we give credit on paper leading up to it. So at some point before they hit that meet, and I know it's beginning Thursday night with the Giants, you'd like them to be able to establish something so that you know who they are going up against Washington, Dallas, and New York. It might be that's the only time that they can establish who they are is going up against divisional opponents. My point in that is sometimes, as we all know, a 24-20 victory over the Giants isn't reflective of who that team is and what's really working. It's just they were the last man standing in a slugfest because it's teams that know each other and have tendencies and things like that. So it might be... And listen, I'll take a win anyway. I'm with you. I'll take a win anyway. We get them, right? But I'm just saying as far as if we start looking at where they can pull these wins off in the second half, I look at the division games, and I feel like those are up for grabs at this point, unless they show me something different. We we have a good opportunity. Like I mean, of course we got to get this Giants win, but then we have the uh, Panthers, the Jags, and then you, you beat the Cowboys, you hit the Saints, Giants, Redskins, Cowboys, those are that. You beat the division up there, and yeah. we're we're, we're smoothing, uh, sailing smoothly. You might today. know a lot about this team and that Panthers game. Now again, Panthers just gave up a bunch load to the Giants. First time all year that they kind of got blown up. But you might, to your point, Gail, you might know a lot if you come in and able to win two straight, and that second game in a row is against the Panthers. Yeah. So you put together all right the win against the Giants, then you get Carolina. No, that's something right there that you can start to look at an identity. And Jaguars, it's going to be in London. There's variables that you throw up on it. But that's my point. You take the bye, you come back, you look at it and say, all right, London aside, you've got the Giants, which is a big statement in division, and then an identity-type game in which you look and say, all right, man, the offense moving, the defense negating what Cam and, and others are doing on offense. That might be Christian McCaffrey. That might be an identity game in which you get something out of that more than just a victory. I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm settling, although I am settling. No, you can settle. I'm settling for the NFC East. But anytime I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%, we need a prove-it game somewhere in the mix there. Because you can't just beat up against the crappy teams in the NFC East. Yes. Eagles looking like one of the crappy teams in the NFC East and then get beat by the uh, Panthers and then get beat by the Jaguars and the Rams and the Saints and expect to go in the playoffs with any sort of heat. First things first, NFC East. First NFC East opponent. We're going to try to go to Jerry Foley, senior editor of Giants Insider. Sir, can you hear me? Yeah, all good now, guys. Thanks, man. Hey, all good. Hey, Appreciate okay. you jumping on with us. You have your finger on the pulse of this New York Giants team. So as I was previously stating, everybody, including the people in this room, Eagles fans, thought the New York Giants were going to look a lot better in 2018 than they did 2017. Rebuilt offensive line, sort of. Stud running back. You get an OBJ back. Eli Manning's going to have some more time. So I want to open up this conversation by asking you, what the hell is going on in New York? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's two things, guys. First, it's still a problem in the trenches, right? And the game is won in the trenches. And on defense, the Giants can stop the run, but they can't get to the quarterback without blitzing. On offense, they can pass block okay, but the run blocking has been abysmal. So in the trenches, they're still a weak team. I mean, they just replaced Eric Flowers with – I mean, they could have replaced him with a tackling dummy. No. Chad Wheeler. It's been a lot better. Chad Wheeler's actually been pretty good 
Uh, unfortunately, I think they waited a little too long to make that change. I think they were trying to make it work. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's the same thing as last year with regard to the offensive line being bad. So the difference this year is they're not out of games. They're in them. Uh, they're not getting killed yet. They're in every game. And I just, I just think with, with Jerry Reese's drafting over the last five to seven years has been so bad, it's going to take at least two years before this team can be, you know, competitive again. That's all. And, and it's an interesting point you bring up Jerry Reese and his drafting because the, the Giants are in a very kind of weird transition period, right? The, yeah. the years on Eli Manning are somewhat up. Uh, they, they, they drafted that stud running back that you guys got up there. You just signed Odell Beckham Jr. to that contract. But they're in that transition period from kind of restocking, reloading, building pieces to the future. Two-part question. Number one, do you think it was a mistake not taking Sam Darnold over that running back? And number two, do you think it was a mistake signing OBJ to that contract? First, first question, no, and I called it in February. They were going to pick Barkley because the Giants needed a new face to their franchise. It's not Eli anymore. Like you said, he's too old, right? He's kind of on the, he's on the back two and even the back nine of his career. Um, OBJ, he had the off-season issues where it's just not a good look for the Giants now. He's not committing crimes or doing anything like that, but the video is not a good look. The boat trip a couple of years ago isn't a good look. Now he has an interview with Josina Anderson and Lil, and Lil Wayne where, and I'm, I guess I'm not a millennial, so it's really Lil Wayne, right? Lil, L-I-L. But, yes. Um, I mean, it's just, he, he just does things off the field that are distracting, right? Right. So I knew they were taking Barkley from the get-go because they needed a new face. If they took a quarterback, if they took Darnold, they weren't cutting Manning because of the salary cap implications, so he's going to sit a year behind him. The first incompletion Manning throws are, are INT. Crowd's going to want Donald in. What the hell is Sam Darnold going to do on this team with this offensive line? So being that Barkley's a generational back that he is, he's been everything is advertised. I thought it was a great pick. I still do it. And if you need a quarterback, I mean, look, the Giants are looking like they're going to head to a 5-11 season. They're probably going to be, tick- be picking top five or top six. There's the kid from Missouri, the kid from Oregon. Quarterbacks will be there. As far as Odell, I just think this is – it's almost like selling your soul to the devil, right? I mean, to me, he's always reminded me of Deshaun Jackson with more drama, right? So he's a better receiver than Jackson, but he's that kind of game-breaker. But he's got all this drama on the side. So you sign him in the $95 million, then he goes on ESPN and says he likes L.A. and likes the sunshine. No. Well, what did you think? Like, he, he's done this stuff before. A guy, I mean, he said he grew up, but, you know, was it a mistake – I would have traded him for a first-round pick, I have to be honest with you, or whatever you could have gotten. I was on, on board with getting rid of him, maybe for Cleveland's number four overall, and then if you want to take your quarterback there, you do it. But, no, I don't regret Barkley, but overall I would not have signed Beckham to that $95 million contract. Now, the Eagles have had the Giants' number over the last several years. I, I, I read a stat, and I think it was over the last 20 games, uh, you know, the, the Eagles – What's that? I think you're 16 and four or something ridiculous. Yeah, it says something ridiculous like that. With that yeah. being said, the Giants always play the Eagles tough. No matter how bad the Giants are, or no matter how good the Eagles look, the Giants always seem to take the Eagles almost to the brink of defeat and just fall just shy of getting the job done. When you see the Eagles going up on a short week, like the Giants are, up to MetLife Stadium. How do you see this game shaking out, knowing the troubles that 
the Giants are going through and the well-documented troubles that the Eagles are going through? Based on what I saw Sunday, I was surprised the Giants came back from 17-3. I was worried they were going to roll over because they looked so bad in the first half. The tackling was poor. Manning was not good. Odell had the, the muff punt. They did everything wrong. The fact that they came back and they lost a heartbreaker like that, and I think they're the only team in NFL history to lose two seasons in a row to a plus 60-yard field goal. Um, I, I think last year this team would have just rolled over. I think the Giants will put up a good fight Thursday. I think they realize that, look, they're one and four, and miraculously it's week six, and they have – there's meaningful football in, in, metal, in the Meadowlands. But it's the Eagles, right? It's just something always happens in these games. And it reminds me of what I'm afraid of, what I'm afraid of if you're a Giants fan. It reminds me of 2003 when the Eagles were struggling early and then Fossil told Jeff Eagles, kick it straight to Westbrook. And then he brought it back. The Eagles went on a run. I think they went on to the conference championship that year. I'm afraid this game is going to be like that where they lose a heartbreaker. All of a sudden the Eagles get confidence and then they make a trade for Le'Veon Bell or, or Shady McCoy and then they're off and running, and all their problems are suddenly solved. So I think most Giants fans feel good about this. Personally, I'm, I'm apprehensive. I think the Giants are going to lose a very close game Thursday night. Jerry, you're with the enemy, uh, but I'm going to level with you right here. I haven't had much to smile about, but what you just said, big old grin on my face. <laughs> any time, guys, I, I'm always willing to give you guys a smile. I mean, <laughs> well, look, the, the, division, the division stinks. Everyone is in it. And I'm not just saying this because you, you won it last year, but – when you look at them, when you look at all these teams, no one's afraid of Washington. I don't care if the, da- if the Cowboys beat the Giants 19 out of 20 times. They're not good with Dak Prescott. They have no weapons. The secondary stinks. I think everyone's afraid of the Eagles getting it together soon. And with the offensive line struggling, I just think once that changes, once the offensive line gets it together and, and they get their pass rush going, I, you know, I, I, to, to say the Eagles aren't the team to beat in the NFC East is just foolish. Absolutely. Hey, Jerry, we appreciate you coming on. One more question before I let you get on out of here. We will be up at the game on Thursday, the whole 4th and John squad. I'm assuming you're going to be there, my friend. Uh, yeah, me and uh, and Chris Bizignano, who's the beat writer for the Giant Insiders. Well, there's two of us to run the account. So, Well, I'll tell you what. You've got my number. Definitely hit us up. We'd love to buy you a beer while we're up there. And you see, I'm making, it, ma- making friends with I the enemies. You know doing, what I mean? Man. I see what you're doing. Networking. Absolutely. We appreciate you hopping on, Jerry. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Anytime, guys. Thanks, man. All right. Now, did we get Jerry's answer on whether or not he's going to hit you up for a beer? I think uh might have talked over that one. <laughs> did, did he slide out on that without con- actually confirming? I, th- I think he's a little bit afraid of what might get slipped yeah, into that so, like, You're so not going to slip me a Mickey. Yeah, but that's like, that's home territory. He's still nervous. That's a testament to what you guys are doing. Yeah. He's up there. You guys are infiltrating his home, and he still won't come out with the home field advantage. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny listening to, uh, I listened to a lot of Vikings podcasts last week. Okay. And they, they felt the same way. They they were scared of our uh, defensive line versus their offensive line. And uh, I, numerous podcasts were like, oh, man, I don't, I don't think we could beat the Eagles. And just the way that we came to play, I was like, oh, it was a perfect opportunity for the, the defensive line to have one of those great uh, great games. Yeah, but. And, that, and that's where the lack of identity comes in, is that on paper, this team looks like we should dominate, yep. but then when they actually come to play, everything, they just fold. Do you think, because Jerry mentions at the end that fans, that people around him 
think that this is a win, that Giants fans are like, nah, they got it, and he's saying no, and, and that's what got you smiling for at least a second here, E-Rock. <laughs> so my, my question is, outside of just, yeah, you're going to win every game with a 1-4 in four team, which, to be fair, we probably do as well, how much do you think this is this Eagles team losing two straight and there's vulnerability versus just blind faith in a team that we all have experienced at some point. But you know what I'm saying? Like the team is one and four right now. That team is reeling. I don't care that they come off of whatever the case may be, but let's be honest, this team stinks. So I'm wondering if there's an actual, because the last two weeks I was so confident looking at these games, go into Nashville and blow the smoke off the Titans. Yeah, they got one by them at home. They're going to lose to Minnesota at home. Come on, none of that. And here we are, two straight. So I just wonder how much of it is actual real vulnerability versus just blind faith in a one and four football team that they were going to have regardless of who the opponent is. That's an interesting point. That is I'm feeling re- really vulnerable right now. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to open up that door. It doesn't feel like a safe space. Do we have a, a corner in the room that's safe? I'm about to cry <laughs> over here. Yeah, one, one of the reasons why you might be feeling vulnerable, not, not, not to steer the conversation in the... In Should I slide over? <laughs> Was I too close? <laughs> one of the reasons you might be feeling vulnerable right now is because there's only two healthy running backs on the roster. You got Wendell Smallwood and Josh Adams, and Josh Adams has his own injury history coming in uh, into the season, why he didn't hold, play a whole lot last preseason game of the year. Jay Ajayi goes down with an ACL. Mm. This is, this is a, a problem. This is a problem for the Eagles offense because you thought they were pass-happy to begin with. Wait till you see what they're doing when they got to rely on Wendell Smallwood to, carry, to do the heavy lifting. In, during the course of the year. The only thing I'm, that can save you, I'm sorry, is that Wendell Smallwood is such a bad blocker that they'll just, <laughs> if he's on the field, they won't pass just because of the threat of any blitz coming. You know Carson's going to be on his back, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, they had four, they had four carries in the first half less. How is that possible? Week. That's ridiculous. Because I think the Eagles offensive coordinator, Mike Grow, who... I hate to judge people just based off of press conferences. But go ahead and do it. Not impressed. No? Not impressed whatsoever. If, if a dude can't make eye contact with a reporter, not impressed at all mm. in his answers. Yeah. At yeah. all. I think the Eagles offense is mistaking running plays for RPOs. I'll clarify on that. Running plays is when you actually run the ball. If you call an RPO and then check the pass, that's not calling a running play. That's why you're seeing the Eagles heave the ball up because defenses got kind of savvy to this whole RPO thing because without the proper pieces in place, the machine doesn't work. So I'll give credit to my man Barrett Brooks, who, by the way, has a wonderful podcast with uh, Derek Gunn here on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Definitely check it out. But I'm quoting him in this scenario. Basically, what defenses are doing is not... The offense isn't dictating what they're doing to the defense. The defense has flipped the script and is now basically saying, we'll give you the pass look, I dare you. They're crashing the defensive end or the defensive players to the, to the run option side where Carson takes the ball out of the belly of the running back because, let's face it, nobody's scared of Wendell Smallwood. Nobody's scared of Josh Adams. And now, all of a sudden, he's passing the ball. They're calling these RPOs, but I think they're confusing it in a way where, 
oh, no, it's a run play. He just checked out of it. Does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense because it's similar to the play action where you can't set something up unless you have a threat of it. And And what drives me nuts is you're laying out exactly what's happening. It's not like, fellas, the run game isn't working. It's not like Smallwood, Ajayi, before he gets hurt. It's not like Corey Clement before he goes. To, it's not like these guys aren't successfully moving the ball on the ground. Our frustration is Doug is moving away from it. So he's putting his quarterback and offense, to your point, at a significant disadvantage by neglecting the run because now the RPO becomes way more one-dimensional, just like a play action would become way more one-dimensional. It doesn't make sense. These are smart guys who won at the—they beat Bill Belichick, man. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that we can all sit and break this down at such a basic level. Yeah, I think you got it. Like as a, as a, as offensive linemen, they they like to stay committed to the run. They're like girlfriends. They want you to be committed. They want you to show that you care. Yes. And you, you want to run the ball. And at, they want the you know they want the, the wins and lo- wins to be on their backs at the end of, at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. You just ground and pounding. That's how offensive linemen want to live through, through the game. And, like, if you're constantly going back and taking punishment, taking hits, uh, you're taking the punishment versus you uh, dictating to them, like, hey, we're going to bring it. And they're, right now they're not doing that. It's, it's almost it, – it's kind of weird. It's almost like the reverse engineer of how defenses were playing Chip Kelly. Because when Chip Kelly's time here, he had a, he had a stable of running backs, Sproles, Matthews, uh, who was the cowboy? Murray. Murray, Murray right? We had Shady. Right? <laughs> so they couldn't get anybody down the field open. So what did they do? They stacked eight in the box. Yeah, we know the strength of your team's running the ball. We're going to stack it. You're going to get stopped every time because we know you can't pass the ball down the field. Now it's almost the opposite effect where they're taking away the run out, run option with the RPOs, kind of kind of reversing the, the Chip Kelly thing because they found them. They, def- defensive coordinators found out Chip Kelly. Right now, defensive coordinators are sniffing out Doug Peterson in this run option thing. If we dictate, if we choose the option instead of you choosing the option, we can tell you to sling the ball because your offensive line right now can't block. And your wide receivers, Alshon was out for a while, you're a little banged up. The tight ends got to play more. I, 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 think, I think that's the answer in all of this is kind of the tight ends got to play yeah. more. Zach Ertz once again had over 100 yards receiving. But here's the other option. Because nobody's going to respect the run-pass option if they're going to take the run away and they don't think you can throw deep. Or like you mentioned before, play action. Nobody's going to respect it if they don't think you're going to do it. So the Eagles recently restructured Fletcher Cox's deal to make up some salary cap room, which happens all the time. But the timing is weird because it's in the middle of the season. And subsequently, Jay Ajayi goes down with an ACL. Corey Clement is banged up. And Darren Sproles hasn't seen the field since week one of the NFL season. Now, there have been a lot of rumors and and, and kind of names thrown out there. Shady, Johnson, Bell. Would you you want Howie Roseman to explore opportunities outside of the organization to bring a running back in? Which running back would you choose? And how much would you be willing to give up? It's a great question. I think we have to look at two separate things and for me keep them separate which is replace the body that is jhi with a living breathing human being and getting the best available option out there 
I think there are two different things for me personally, which is it doesn't have to mean just because Jay Ajayi is out, that equals get Le'Veon Bell, who's clearly the best option out there. Sure. And, and it's not that I don't want Le'Veon Bell on this football team or that I'm anti-Le'Veon Bell by any means. If I were Bell and I got traded somewhere, I'd pull a hamstring before you even saw me on the field. Like, I wouldn't trust four or five weeks of play for a big payday that I've been sitting and getting paid. Now, granted, money for they're They're just factors. Shady, we know that the guy could be pulled off the field at any point if, in fact, all the allegations turn to be true. We don't know, and I'm not defaulting on that. What I'm saying, though, is that I, I look at the need to replace Jay Ajayi, and yes, I'd make a trade, but it doesn't automatically mean I'm giving up what I would believe at least – two second-rounders for Le'Veon Bell. At least something... I don't buy that a second and third is going to get Le'Veon Bell. I think you're going to have to give up something hefty for that. Uh, Shady McCoy, again, there are issues around that that I don't know how much I'd be willing to give up to bring him back. I'd I'd be willing to explore a guy like David Johnson, but I don't know how realistic that is as well. Mm -hmm. You know, Arizona still is trying to hold on to something with the young quarterback and and build and, and maintain. So do you look at Howard in Chicago? Do you start looking? See, now we start looking at, as I mentioned, on the left, an adequate replacement of a human being to run the football behind J.H.I. as opposed to going out there and just say, hey, there's an opening. Let's get Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the big power move, getting like a Le'Veon Bell. Like for me, like when, when, it, when I started to really turn the gears, the guy that stuck to my head was like Tevin Coleman. Because he's on his rookie last year of his rookie uh, rookie deal. Yep. Uh, you know he's a passing threat. He's a he's a threat in the passing game. He is also a burner. You know what I mean? He can he, he could he's got that four three speed. Yeah. Um, he's a playmaker. He's not used to touching the ball thirty times a game. So right. it, it's not like you it, take that away from him by ro- working him in a rotation. Doesn't have the miles that uh, these other guys have. Uh, doesn't have the baggage that these other guys have. But you you know. The Falcons, where they're at, like one and four, you're like, yeah, we'll lose one more game. That, that works for us. I mean, I like that name. Um, and they, they don't have the money. They already paid Devontae Freeman, and they also have Ito Smith, who's uh, been flashing. So, yeah. perfect opportunity. Now, I don't know how good of a pass protector he is to say that. I mean, that that's another thing. He's an upgrade to what they have. Right. So, he can't be worse than Smallwood, right? Protecting the quarterback, I mean. We're hoping. Okay. Justin. So I've been preaching <laughs> Le'Veon Bell to the birds for a couple weeks now. Mm. He fixes your running game. He's never given up a sack in his career. He can split him out wide. He can be a whole matchup nightmare. I'll take as a consolation prize Shady McCoy, though. But Marks and Reese had um, John Kincaid on today Okay, for an interview. He's a host. I want to say he's down in he's Atlanta. He's in Atlanta, yeah. He's in Atlanta. Yep. He's was uh he he was said that he's texting a couple police officers that he knows that works in the township that responded to that whole incident with LaShawn McCoy's ex-girlfriend or her friend or whoever it was. Okay. And he said that if he were the Eagles, he would stay away from LaShawn McCoy because there is a giant PR crap storm coming in a couple weeks that hasn't been announced yet. Interesting. Well, mm. if, if there is, which leads so uh, yeah, if there is, you gotta you gotta stay away from him. But if if there is, I know the Eagles have been sniffing around oh, Lashawn yeah. McCoy for quite some time. Last best, year and this year, best yeah. believe that Big Dom. Oh, Dom Dom's all over that. Big Dom knows. Like, do you know who Big yeah, Dom absolutely. is? 
He, Big Dom is the know-all, see-all of all shady, and I'm not talking about the running back, all shady happenings Mm -hmm. with players around. So if there is something about the drop, I'm sure they're well aware of it. And uh, I'm all on board with what Gail said, Tevin Coleman. The whole thing with shady, it feels like, you know, like it. In in you're like ah oh, yeah like you know it feels like uh feels like home he's been he's been here done that reunited but it, but it's it, so good but it, man. but it feels dirty yeah. it feels dirty right now so I, I I can't really you know the idea of it is cool but I feel like there's something clouding my judgment right now yeah, I don't I don't feel like I don't feel comfortable switch, man it feels like oh you guys you you wanted Le'Veon Bell we couldn't get you Le'Veon so here's a consolation prize he's back. Shady's yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. And you know, people, there'll be people out there that'll just celebrate because it's, to your point, Gil, it's, it's something familiar that's mm-hmm. back. But Justin brought up, as far as just something that he said that, that I disagree, not specifically with what you say, because there are a lot of people that said this. I don't think the running game needs to be fixed. Like, I, really? I, I don't, well, what needs to be fixed about the running game? They're, they're running the football well. Yeah. Look at Smallwood's yeah. numbers. It's Doug Peterson and okay. Mike Groh's neglect of the running game that's the problem for me. Do you think that there was a I, – I saw last season, when, before we got on that run, there was a game where we, it was the same exact story last year. We weren't running the ball consistently before we went on that run. And then after we lost a game, was it the Chiefs? Chiefs? Yeah, remember the, the guys had was, the sign yep. outside the Novacare? And we run we, the damn ball, Doug. Yep. And we, we begged him to run the ball, turn yeah. around, and it's it was almost as if he was listening to the fans, and everything was evened out. Hopefully, the start of this season gives him the same effect. I mean, just balance, having that kind of balance in your offense, all offensive difference. scheme, it works wonders. And you just got to you, you just keep everyone on their toes. Yeah, you got to stay committed. It's not like you could just like part time date with the. With the run game, you got to stay committed, man. Can't side game the run game. No, you can't side piece the run nope. game. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing, though. Like, it's not even like you you have drama with your side piece, meaning the run game isn't working. It's not like years with Andy Reid in which we would be like, dude, you got to start running the ball, and he would have an actual valid response, which is, hey, man, we're getting three yards of carry. What do you want from me? I, I go back to the key point in all of this for me with the backs. The only issue I have with the backs, they can't block. They can't block. Mm. So it's not that they can't run. It's just that yeah, they're getting good average. Yeah. I mean, without selling, without running the ball, you can't sell the play action. Exactly. And the RPOs and everything else. You're putting your quarterback at such a disadvantage. Get, get, uh, getting yeah, back yeah. to the numbers where I usually put the enemy or the opponent that we're facing this week, but right now the Eagles are their own worst enemy. Eagles 2017 rush offense was ranked third in the NFL. Right now ranked 16th. And there's no reason other than Doug Peterson not running the ball. Like that that is a direct reflection of the head coach and the coaching staff in game, not this not anybody on there that's run the football. I mean, we could go game by game and look at guys average yard per carry, and I guarantee you that every game more backs than not would be over five yards per carry. At at some point you would see like one to two guys of your leading rushers at, at four to five yards per carry. Smallwood was at nine, yeah. right, for his three carries. Like that's my point is is that that's a valid number, and that's a big reason why this team has become one dimensional. But it doesn't have to be. And the, the way that Doug Peterson is in the pressers, he he's kind of like defensive when you talk about running the ball. He's like, oh, the first play was a run pass option. He didn't. Yeah, he but didn't. you can't confuse run pass option with run. Just run it. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's just the way he's coming off. I'm just like, dude, you got to run the ball, dude. Before we get to around the league with Evan, I, I a couple weeks ago, made a pitch for Des Bryant. I'm going to make my pitch for Le'Veon Bell. Thank you, Justin, for the hand clap. Say it with your chest. First of all, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers are over a bow right now. Because even if Le'Veon Bell comes into the building, right, are they getting the Le'Veon Bell who is going to come in and contribute? Or are they getting the Le'Veon Bell who's just showing up just so he doesn't get fined any more money? I understand that if he was traded, that he would feel uncomfortable with a new team getting that new deal. But you would have to have a discussion, an honest discussion with yourself, and say if the Eagles were willing to give up that extra second round pick and maybe something else to get me here, why wouldn't I be ready to sign a contract at the end of the season to make Philadelphia my home? Le'Veon Bell, as poorly as the offensive line is played, has something called vision. He has such a unique run style that I've never seen. Honestly, I've never seen it before in the NFL. Patience, vision, lets the blockers kind of set it up. And if it isn't set up, he will wait until something pops open and then he's through it. That's kind of what the Eagles need in the run game. Because Wendell Smallwood's doing a good job, but as we stated in previous podcasts, he hits the hole he's supposed to hit. If it's there, it's there. If it ain't, oh well. The guy's not finding another hole. And right now with the offensive line kind playing suspect, you need a creative runner who can get you big chunk plays and keep the defense on its heels. Keep the pass rushers on its heels. Keep the safeties guessing. But more so than anything, this this team right now is lacking confidence. This team is lacking swagger. This team needs a jolt of energy. And while I agree with you, the run game isn't broken. They're just not using it as much. The run game wasn't broken prior to them trading for Jay Ajayi either. A guy who was unhappy with his organization and the organization was unhappy with him and how he went in the fleecing season and got the deal done for a fourth-round pick. I'm not saying that Howie Roseman is going to fleece the Pittsburgh Steelers for a fourth-round pick. It's probably going to cost you that second-round pick. But if you were to tell me in the draft back in April, hey, guys, don't get all pissed off about the Eagles trading back. They still got the tight end they wanted to in Dallas Goddard, traded up in front of the Dallas Cowboys to get him. But, hey, guess what? That second-round pick that we just pocketed in our back pocket, we are going to flip that from Le'Veon Bell someday. Right, I put out a meme, no hashtags, no comment needed. It was Batman looking up at the bat signal, and there was Howie Roseman's face on it. Baby, Howie, we're throwing up the Howie signal, baby. We need you. We need you to do something. Doug Peterson's not able to put a jolt into this team. The players aren't putting a jolt into this team. The return of Carson Wentz hasn't put a jolt into this team. Bring me Le'Veon Bell. I need me some Le'Veon Bell. Let's get to around the league. That's yeah. hey, that was way more convincing than the Des Bryant pull <laughs> 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 to Philadelphia. All right. Wait, 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 Justin, before we get to around the league. Well, the thing is, every every week that he sits out, I mean, there's no guarantee that the Steelers with James Conner, the way he's running right now, continue to extend that uh, franchise tag. They could remember if you remember, um, what was it, like oh five, oh six. When they pulled the uh, the um, franchise tag away from Corey Simon 
and he ended up going to sign with the Colts. Yeah. Don't be surprised with the way James Conner is going right now. And they're starting to tailor because Connor and Bell have two completely different running styles. So you're going to have to change. Like when Bell comes back, the Steelers are going to have to change their entire offense to fit in into Bell because they've been tailoring the running game to Connor. So that every is a guy you want to fit in, though. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely you want to fit him in. But I mean, how how many weeks did it take for them to get to this point? Kind of figuring out they're going to have to hit reset, and they don't have that many more games to where they can have the leash to yeah. be able to hit reset. I mean, the other thing is, does he fit back into that locker room? The, I mean, with the way that his teammates have actually no, uh, no. they not lose another football game or two, they would have no choice but to be like, "Welcome back, brother." Yeah, and go back to what you said just just about Le'Veon Le'Veon Bell's talent. That's like generational talent. Like, yes. you just can't teach vision. Uh, guys just have it, and I think you got an opportunity opportunity to bring a guy like that into your locker room and make. He's a, he's a playmaker, all day. You know, four quarters. And he can block and stay on the field for all three downs. This is a this is a no brainer. No, I get it. The one thing I'll say to your point about last year with JHI, JHI came as a luxury. That offense, go back to what you were saying, yep, the difference yep. of point scoring. Yep. That offense was moving at a much higher clip. That offensive line was a cohesive unit. You don't have I love Le'Veon Bell. I'm with you. Le'Veon Bell comes here for a second and fifth round pick. I'm coming back in here whether you want me or not, and I'm screaming in the studio, we got Le'Veon Bell. I'm with you. <laughs> but my point in this is don't expect him to fix issues that Jay Ajayi didn't fix last year by him coming because they didn't have those issues throwing the football, protecting Carson Wentz. Those things, to a lesser extent, you're right, that he can block, but we're still talking about guys like Lane Johnson and Jason Peters who look like John Peters and Rick Johnson, dudes you never heard of. <laughs> Ricky Johnson! And then, and if, say, if in fact, you lose Le'Veon Bell at the end of the season. You can get a comp pick back, maybe a third back. That is true. You that know? is true. So that, All interesting points. I'm going to try to add that to your little, uh, your little argument there. All right, I like it, Gail. I like it. <laughs> but, you, but you know what? At this point right here, sick of talking about the Eagles. Sick of talking about the Eagles. Let's bring it around the league. <laughs> around the league, Evan. All righty. So uh, we had history last night, gentlemen, in the Monday Night Football game. We have a new all-time leader in passing yards. Um and he did it in pretty extraordinary fashion with a uh, 65-yard bomb down the sideline. Uh, he got to, I, first of all, let, let, let me, can you guys answer this question first? Was the whole celebration a little bit preemptive in the middle of the game? No. Uh, you don't believe so? I, I'm just asking. No, no, okay. no, 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 okay. no, not at all. And, he did the same thing for Pete. <laughs> um, Sorry. But. You gave an answer. I think that's all he wanted was an answer. Right. <laughs> So, uh, what was cool about it was they mic'd Drew Brees up for this segment, and uh, he was actually able, we were able to capture a uh, pretty cool moment that he was able to share with his kids. I'll play right here. Hey, boys! How about that, huh? How about that? Hey, I love you guys so much. Hey, you're going to accomplish anything in life you're going to work for, right? I love you, boys. I love you. So, sorry to turn this into a total sap fest right here, but you, E, as a, uh, as a father, what was that like to watch another dad be able to share that experience with, uh, with his sons? Uh, d- d- dude, watching Drew Brees, like you playing that clip right now, got me a little verklempt. Because you know, d- Gail, don't 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 roll your eyes at me or give me the Gail look. <laughs> when you have kids, you understand that. You understand where he brings his boys in tight, and his message to his sons, like he celebrated with his teammates, he hugged his coach, he kissed his wife, but he brought his sons in. 
and said, if you work hard at anything, you can accomplish anything if you work for it. To all those good dads out there, and you know who you are, you felt that somewhere. You felt that somewhere. And I, I was more impressed with that moment than I was with anything that he did on the field that night. Okay. I like it. Can I take it a different way? Yeah, go. go. Uh, a completely opposite way? Yeah, prime. I, I am scared to death when I look at guys like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, and I know this season is still out, the jury's still out, that have the all-world historic-level talent that we believe Carson Wentz has, and you look and you just see one ring. And you think that you, thought did cross my mind. My, too. Like Drew Brees, like the, the first thing I think of outside of the second thing I think of outside of legacy and, and what Drew Brees accomplished is what, what's wrong? Why didn't he win another Super Bowl? He, Sean Payton's a genius. What the hell happened? Maybe defense. That's what I think. Defense happened. Defense never helped him. Yeah, I, I'm scared now thinking <laughs> like three, four, five years down the line, you got a multiple MVP. And I, I'm just saying, like, I, I, I didn't want to derail no, your special no, no. moment. I'm sorry. No, a- 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 you opened the door by bringing me in here. You're about Aton, that thought, it's kind of funny you say that. Because prior to him going over to his kids, that's the exact same thought I had. Here's uh, the guy that did accomplish all the. He's the all-time NFL passing yards leader. He's going to be the all-time NFL touchdown passing leader. One Super Bowl ring. Yeah. And you know what, Gail? To your point about defense, it's what got Peyton his second. It sure as hell wasn't Peyton Manning's arm. Aton, yeah. what a segue, my friend. Yeah. So, I got, a, I got a little point I want to talk oh, about. Oh, I, apologize, you know? I apologize for cutting you off. A little respect here. Sorry. Uh, I mean, Drew Brees, if you think about his career and, and where he came from, the shoulder injury, where, you know, they thought his career might be over. Uh, for him to, like, get passed on by uh, the Dolphins and then him end up with the Saints— you know, he, he's made a hell of a career. Uh, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. Still at his age, uh, he's like picking defenses apart. Uh, so y- you got to give hats off to him. Absolutely. Uh, the second part of that being, um, I'm not sure if you guys were able to hear um, Peyton. What, were you able to hear Peyton Manning's response? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. video? Yeah, the video. I'll play that real quickly. Uh, which one? Passing yards? Okay. So I still have the touchdown record, right? What? Great. (laughs) For a thousand days, I've held the record for all-time passing yards in the NFL. I got to tell you, it's been the greatest a thousand days of my life. (laughs) And thanks to you, that's over now. And you've ruined that for me. So, <laughs> Mr. Manning is uh, comical as always, but if I have to ask you guys one thing, and you alluded to it, if you guys were starting your own team, you got to pick one person to be your quarterback. You choose Drew Brees or Peyton Manning. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think you have to go Peyton, early Peyton, cerebral Peyton, uh, when he had an arm, Peyton. I'd, I'd go with Peyton. Boy, that's tough. Who's more victim of their own undoing in the postseason? Like when you look at why, up until that second Super Bowl that was just not Peyton Manning's, it was everybody else on Denver. Yeah. You look at why Indianapolis loses in the postseason. You look at why New Orleans loses in the postseason. Regular season, like if I didn't have to factor in the fact that both of these guys came up short outside of the one, I'm with you. 
There's just something about, like, it's almost like what makes Peyton Manning so great in the regular season, which is routine control of your entire environment, is his undoing in the postseason when it's just chaos. And you have defenses that are much better like New England and Pittsburgh. Now, again, I'm talking this out. I'm talking this out. I feel like that's more of his own undoing than Breeze, who might be more victim to who's around him, especially on the other side of the football. Yeah. It's not like Manning, though, had great. I mean, he had to go through Brady, though. You know, that and, was the, that, that was the Pittsburgh biggest. D too. Yeah. You're right. Like, do I have to? But if we're gonna go, if we add the Papa John commercials, I'm gonna go with Breeze. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I guess. Although I will say this, from an entrepreneur standpoint, a man who opened up Papa John's chains in a state that legalized marijuana uh, is a freaking genius in his own right. But I'm with you on that. I'm going Breeze ultimately. Yeah, and I'll, plus the, we'll add the five head in there. We'll go with Breeze. Five head. Yeah. I am so glad I went last last answering this question <laughs> because Drew Brees has the ability to pick apart a defense. He has incredible vision despite his short stature to see over that offensive line, read a defense, very cerebral, uh, able to move around in the pocket. But Sean Payton has to get some credit for some of that. He was a good quarterback in San Diego, right? He was a good quarterback yeah. in San Diego. He became great in New Orleans when the perfect combination of head coach and quarterback kind of merged together, and that's what you see. You see this historic quarterback with a Super Bowl ring. Peyton Manning in his prime was his own offensive coordinator. Peyton Manning in his prime called his own plays. Peyton Manning in his prime read the defense better than any other and could watch film and know the strengths and weaknesses of a defense. Peyton Manning in his prime, you could argue that you could almost put on any team with any head coach and he would run that offense to a playoff level. I'm not sure that the same could be said with Drew Brees. That would be my argument. You can't go, well, you like Lexus, you like BMW, you like Mercedes, you like quarterback, uh, Cadillac. <laughs> you can't go wrong with either one of these quarterbacks. But I would choose Peyton. Right. So when, when you lay out all those things about Peyton, why, why only one? Don't count the Denver one. I got to count the Denver one. Well, it's the Tom he, Brady he's a, factor. He's a different quarterback, though, in Denver. But he he, he was like, a. Uh, you were saying yeah. in his prime, in his prime. Every every statement you were making, you were qualifying with in his prime, because even you subconsciously know there's a significant difference of him in Denver that final year. He played in Denver two years, correct? Yes. The first year he was electric. It, it wasn't bad, right? Yeah. It no, was no, he was. He was, yeah. he, he was on right. fire. Then the body fell apart. Then the body fell apart. Sure. So. Again, he was he was doing those electric. It, it's when his body finally fell apart. Yeah, I, I get the whole don't count that Denver Super Bowl. But remember, the first year with Denver, he was still doing the damn thing. Yeah, but you still have the same result as you had in years past this when he true. was in his prime. Where for whatever true. reason that team bows out. We can disagree on quarterbacks. I think we can all agree here in the room. Really can't go wrong with either no, one of these guys. No, no, no. Beautiful thing. Beautiful yeah. thing. Flip a coin. Now, Nick Saban uh, passed on Drew Brees for. Dante Culpepper. Oh, UCF's finest. Rolling, rolling. Uh, Drew Brees was a second-round pick, too. Imagine that. If there, the, were 32, uh, there were 31 other teams that passed on Drew Brees. Randy no, Moss I mean, and uh, Drew Brees. That's right. That could have been lethal. Yikes. What do you got? All right, so, uh, guys, tell me. Is there any other team in the entire NFL 
who hates to see their team, uh, the opposing team, lining up for a last-second sixty-plus-yard field goal <laughs> than the New York Giants. Oh, these, these guys, and I mean, granted, they're in our division, so I could care less. <laughs> but these guys, in back-to-back seasons now, they lo- they lost yesterday to the Carolina Panthers with Graham Gano hitting a sixty-three-yard bomb in the closing seconds. Like, do the Giants have the worst luck in the entire league? Has nothing to do with luck. The fact is, you set the Carolina Panther. You got. It's all about self accountability. Okay. So if you lose on a sixty-three yard, last second game-ending field goal, you allowed that team to get into that position. Agreed. So the Giants don't blame the Carolina Panthers. Don't blame Jake Elliott and the Philadelphia Eagles. You let Carson Wentz drive down the field. Let Alshon Jeffrey tiptoe to put them in that position. The Giants are the ones to blame for this. Nobody else. Benito, done. Yeah, I don't know how they come back from that. Like last year, end of their season. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that's going to kick the tires off this season as well? Yeah, I, that's why, I, as much as I've been so overconfident and wrong the last two weeks, <laughs> I'm not going to waver from that nonsense this week. I'm sticking. Like, that's the type of loss that ends your season. It just sucks the soul. We saw it up close and personal last year. Yeah. Soul was just sucked out of that team. They're already one and four. Are we going to look like, can we honestly expect to look back six or seven weeks from now and say to ourselves, man, you know, that Giants team one and four reeled off five straight wins, bouncing After. back from that game losing 60 plus yard field. No, yeah. it's the opposite. It's deflating. Plus yes. you see, plus you see Sterling Shepard throwing a tantrum on the sidelines. Yeah. Like this team has already adopted the mindset of last year's team. Oh yeah, the the New York Giants already believe they're losers, and when you already believe you're a loser, believer they are. They know. They know. They're convinced. They're convinced. I mean, you don't you don't act that way. OBJ doesn't say that. Well, maybe he does, but Sterling Shepard doesn't do that kind of things. The head coach doesn't have to stand up there and say done finito and all that. You know, I'm not going to give you an ounce of ounce of flesh on that. He doesn't have to do that this early in the season if that locker room doesn't already think that they're trash. I mean, the the body language, you're starting to see it. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm really hoping that we see a miracle in the Meadowlands 3.0. Uh, that would be amazing. I'm hoping it doesn't even get to that point. I'm hoping they go up there and they stomp him. Yeah. You know. Is anybody else disappointed that they cut Eric Flowers only because you knew that no. there was a possibility he could get into the game <laughs> and that would just secure a sack no matter what? At least three. Yeah, I mean, I know At he hasn't three. been starting and, and he's barely been out there, but even the threat of him being on the field at any point, you know it didn't matter. It could be sweat out there. You know, yeah. all right, he's got him. Yeah. Brandon Graham's probably like, they did what? Oh, come <laughs> oh, on. Oh, it was my birthday. Yeah. Money in my pocket. They're going oh, to target him like offensive coordinators are targeting. Jalen Mills. I remember when yeah. he got drafted. The very moment that he got drafted, I was like, the Giants reached so bad, so bad. And my, my buddy's a big Giant fan. I'm like, dude, you guys reached so bad. He's like, nah, man, you don't know. You ain't a GM. You ain't in the scouting room. I'm like, dude, you reached. And here, I who, who called him up today? Let him know. That's great. I love it. Yeah. Let him know tomorrow, too. Lord of mercy. And Thursday and Friday after they win. Yeah. All right, so normally this segment is around the league where we're looking outside of the Eagles, right? Uh-oh. But we got to do some self-policing here, all right? I saw a video that escaped from the stands, and I, all right, I dealt with, after the Super Bowl, watching people on their hands and knees eating horse poop off the street. It was a very emotional night. I understand people got a little bit crazy. A little bit? A little bit. Yeah. I saw something 
that was vile up in the upper level of the Eagles game where multiple, I'm talking five-plus people, were dumping their beers into their shoes and then chugging the beer out of their shoe. I just got to ask you guys, what is the gnarliest thing you've ever seen at an Eagles game, whether it be at the vet or at the link? Oh, God. What's the gnarliest thing? Uh, Well, I once, this is... NBC now. (laughs) (laughs) This was at the, this was at the game in which it was snowing, the Sunday night game, Mm -hmm. in which it was snowing, and we all booed because it was supposed to be Reggie White's night, and they honored his family, but it was snowing, and they were losing bad to Seattle, and I remember seeing... This group, they must have still been in college because I was fresh out of school. So you still know people in your age group. And it was a group of girls, a guy or two with them as well. And this girl was chugging. It it must have been spiked like, her, you know, your beer and you put a little, we've all done it, right? You put a little vodka in your yep. beer, right, to I add a little spice to it. I've never done that. I'm sure you haven't. I'm sorry. Well, I'll <laughs> explain how you do it coming up in a couple of minutes. <laughs> and she chugged it. And everything that she had drank and eaten that day came right up on her jersey. Nobody flinched, including her. Nobody moved and just continued to. It would be like if I'm sitting right here and Gail just threw up on himself and we didn't even acknowledge it, including you. (laughs) And we continued to do the show. Trox has done that. Yeah. <laughs> like that, like it was the shock value of seeing people not move yeah. and continue to just the shock value enjoy of them the not being shocked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hmm. there's two rows in front of me. I think Justin's got a good one. He's laughing behind the glass. Justin, what do you got? All right, so I haven't seen it. This was me doing it. Oh boy. Huh. So you know how uh, up in, they have like the um, like the ramps that walk up, like you can walk up yeah, and. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I threw up off the side of one of them. And I hit somebody on every floor <laughs> as it went down. Oh, my goodness. Like, every floor somebody got hit. They've been looking for you. Nice. Oh, my God. There's somebody out there listening right now to Fourth and John and going, that son of a... It was the game against the Giants where they, oh, gave, away the, uh, they gave away the Brian Dawkins like posters. Yeah? Uh, it was that game. Okay. The yeah, physics every. of that, to be able to hit multiple oh, I people hit every, on multiple like, floors. Like, you oh, have to so work at people. that. So it was a cluster bomb, in other words. It was oh, like, yeah, it was like were, you carpet bombed. Yeah, people were like looking up at me. I'm like... It happened. <laughs> I just walked away. Like, yeah. they're, they're, you know how long it takes to get up one of the, like one floor of those ramps? Were they waiting for you at the bottom? I don't know. This, this is like... 14 minutes left in the first quarter still. Oh, wow. Like, this is like... Plenty from, of time to escape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had plenty of time to get out of there. Gail, you got anything? Uh, you know, I don't have much at the link, but I have a personal story from uh, college. My football team had this thing. It was called the boot that was passed on from years and years and years of football teams. So every party house, the boot was passed on like the gift from the other party house. So anyone on campus, if you're a freshman, they saw you drinking, they whooped that ass if you if you didn't drink from the boot first. So if you were at a party house, they would like pick you up, bring you to the boot. So everyone has drank from this boot from like years, and they they put dip spit in it. They oh. They, oh, no. they they just they pass the boot around and they put beer in it and then make you drink it. Drink it? I did. Ugh, I was forced. I was forced. Did to you drink pull it. a Justin and just like Ralph? Over I just like I drank half of it and then spit the rest out. But I was like, 
This is gross. All right, yeah, to, it to, to, to move it to move it along, <laughs> and to sound like a complete uh, old head, yeah. all the uh, all the uh, stories about urinating in the sinks at uh, Veterans Stadium. Yeah, that's one hundred percent true. Yep. But it did not just apply to the sinks. Like you, they used to find little corners to duck behind. Up again, if you were drunk enough, they would go up against like a pillar. You know, everybody at halftime just kind of walking around, and it, it was kind of pee where you want in the upper level. I was wow. in the six hundred <laughs> level. It was kind of like the world's your toilet yeah. sort of scenario. Did you do? Did you do it? Absolutely not. No, my mother would have whooped my ass. My mother would have whooped my ass if I did anything like that. Forget about it. Forget about it. All right, let's uh, let's wrap up around the league because we're running a little long. We've got Twitter questions, not Mike today, but we got our boy Trox in studio to read off the Twitter questions. Fire away, Dustin Trox. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> All right. So we got one question from Mr. Mark Lenore at Mark Lenore 79. What is worse, the fact the way our offense is playing despite how well Carson Wentz is playing or the fact that our defense is mostly healthy on how they're playing? I think it's worse just seeing the uh, uh, Carson Wentz come back to this offense. The way he's worked so hard, he's worked months and months to come back to this basic offense. Is it hurts my heart deeply, you know, because you want to see them succeed, but it's. I think the team is on a, another level, and he's like above that. I think they just have to get to his level right now. The the thing to me is that it's not about hurt; it's about the confusion and the confusion. I'm so confused at the fact that we were going into the season on paper looking at this defense, and we thought that they were going to be the most do- one of the most dominant defenses in the league. And the way that we have all these guys healthy and are unable to st- – we're like a pincushion. The way, the way the teams just move through us, it doesn't matter who they are. Week after week, that, that is just the most alarming thing to me because I recognize on the off- offensive side of the ball that we're struggling as far as uh, who we've got at running back as far as the fact that we, Alshon Jeffrey is really our only explosive player on the outside. I understand that we're limited in that capacity. Where, and on the defensive side of the ball, we should be studding it up. Yeah, th- there's something about that. They're not giving up a ton of points, and they are getting pressure. They're not sacks, but they're getting pressure on the quarterback. So... I might have a short-term concern, or I might have one thing I can look at, Jalen Mills being a glaring issue, but there's not a fundamental problem with the defense. There's a fundamental problem with the offense. I I will 100% agree with that sentiment, because, again, you look at the 2018 Eagles versus the 2017 Eagles. Defensively, they're kind of right in the wheelhouse. Points per game last year, 18.4 points per game this year, 20.8. Not that big of a difference. Passing defense, this year ranked uh, 11th, last year ranked 17th. Rush defense, 1 and 2. Boom, boom. It's the offense, really. When you look at the defensive points per game, there's not much of a differential. When you look at the offensive points per game, my God, you're talking about a whole 8 points, which doesn't sound like a lot, but go and apply those 8 points to every single game that the Philadelphia Eagles have had this, this year, and what are we talking about? What are we really talking about? We're talking about a team that's 5-0. and Yeah, a touchdown. It's more than a touchdown. It's more than a touchdown. That, that's significant in yeah. that it's more than a touchdown. It's not 6.8. Yeah. It's not 7.1 yeah. where you can kind of negotiate around and be like, ah, right, you, you get one extra score. That's been 
averaged down into eight, meaning that there are times in which you can look even higher than that. It's crazy. I remember last year I was just so proud of this team offensive, offensively being number one in conversion rate on third down. Like, to me, that was like, I was cheesing for, like, weeks. I was like, I can't believe we're executing that well on third down. Wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. It's like, I, man, years ago it feels <laughs> like. I, I know. A it, decade it, ago, yeah, man. It, it feels like so, so long ago, but again— I, I, I can't give up. People keep telling me to move past the Super Bowl. It's history. It was last year. It was last year. This team was supposed to be better this year than it was last year. And last year doesn't even compare to this year. What the hell's going on? <laughs> Next question. I'll keep this one simple. Uh, Rick Keynes at Rick Keynes. Is it time to make a move and trade Nick Falls for a piece? Are we talking what type of piece? I mean, if, if you know that Nick Foles is going to be involved in a Le'Veon Bell, LeSean McCoy, David Johnson deal, is there any hesitation? No. No, not at all. Okay. If, if, uh, if Nick Foles has to be moved in some sort of trade to improve this team right now, I think we can all feel comfortable. We can't see down the road and wonder, you know, we, yeah. with the way the offensive line is playing, could Carson get injured? Absolutely, 100%. Tutty Suddy. Don't don't as Gail would say, don't speak it into existence. Yeah, you know. But I I think with Foles, if you get that cap off, you know, you can start making some extra moves. And let's be honest, Foles wasn't Super Bowl Foles first couple weeks of season. It was not. Right. So it's what are you getting if by week eleven, God forbid, you have to go to a backup quarterback anyway? What's the assurance that you're getting anything remotely close to what you got in the Super Bowl based on this year's sample size being small but not great? Think about what teams actually want his services at this moment. Can you make an argument for San Francisco? That's the the team that was popping in my head, but does Shanahan want that? I don't know. It's all about the job security. You know who was looking for veteran quarterback help to kind of guide their Young quarterback along the Browns, Arizona, Buffalo, Buffalo. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm <Dating>. just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Go ahead. Next question. Before you said that, I was going to say no. Stop it. Yeah. I think Carson Wentz is trying. He's doing too much right now. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly worried about number eleven. He's trying too much on the field. He's getting hit too hard. So I, I say no. We don't move Nick Foles. Good right insurance now. policy. All right. What's All right, next? What do you got next? Okay. Um, Randy Harn at Randy underscore Harn. Is it extremely hot take to say that we need a complimentary receiver to Alshon more than we need a replacement for Ajayi? No. Is it a hot take to say that? No. I think, in fact, you're going to need another body to run the football. But when you look at the better player, like what do you need a better player at? Wide receiver or running back? You need another playmaking wide receiver. Absolutely. So if if I'm going to give up asset right now, I'd rather give up asset for a wide receiver than a running back, knowing that I'm still going to bring a running back in, but I'm talking asset, like second-round pick. If it it comes down to that, I'm talking a wide receiver at this point, just because I think it can help more. Yeah, just seeing that the Patriots gave up that fifth for, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Josh. Uh, Uh, And we're at this moment right now, I'm just like, man, I would have gave up that fifth. Yeah. You know? I would have give up a fourth. But at this, at this time, I still think we need that vertical threat. He doesn't have to be the lethal uh, you know, playmaker. He just has to stretch the field. And that's the one thing I think we're missing. But I, I also think we, we definitely need a running back. So, Aton, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you. Because if I was going to give up an asset, 
it would be for a running back because the best option at wide receiver isn't going to cost you an asset. That's Bryant. Yeah. <laughs> That's Bryant. Best option at wide here. receiver is sitting there on the street. Tainted. Uh, uh, you're you're talking about, about Dez. Cowboy. Got the Cowboy scent on him. He's throwing the X you up in st- studio yeah, right now. You still have a problem that Gail brings up. You mm-hmm. don't have anybody that's going to go straight down the field and take the top off. This is true. This is true. He's not. I don't mean guy. to <laughs> no, 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 come no. down on your Des Bryant parade. No, I, mean, I, I would I, love I, the X Man here just, too. I was just trying to turn the hand. I okay, figured I okay. scored so well on the Le'Veon Bell pitch that I would just so turn I, the I hand. Feel on you, the I feel you. I feel you. I totally feel you. Did on he the get Bell a little greedy on the Bell pitch? I, I feel you. <laughs> but he he had lost me when he said he would throw up the X. If Des Bryant scored a touchdown. Damn right, I would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's not a Cowboys thing, though. That's a Des thing, <laughs> isn't Des it? Thing. Yeah, but he said he would but do that would if he scored. Would you throw up an X if, if, if Bryant was an t- uh, eagle? Would if, you, if Des as Bryant, an eagle fan, yeah. throw up the X? It depends on when that touchdown came. If you're talking about beating the Cowboys or, or skins to secure something or beating the Saints in the postseason in New Orleans, man, I'll cartwheel my ass to the X, whatever you need. If it's first quarter against the Carolina, Carolina Panthers, probably not. I got to be honest. If Dez, or if we were playing the Cowboys and Dez ran to the star a la Terrell Owens and threw up the X, <laughs> go. I'd, I'd be all over Legend. That. Legend. I'd man. buy his jersey. Legend. I'd buy his jersey. I would go buy his jersey on the spot. On the spot, buy his jersey. Come on. Gail's about to pull a Justin and just start vomiting all over the place inside the studio here. What else you got? All right, man? final question from our boy Prime, the official bodyguard of the fourth and John. What's your score and prediction for Thursday night? God, I hope it's a lot to a little, but I but I know that's not going to be the case. It's going to be another tight one, nail biter. Eli Manning's going to be using those quick slants and then burning Jalen Mills on double moves. They're going to be setting things up just to knock things down. I think the Eagles win the game, but I'm going to go, uh, let's say, 21-17. Low scoring game, kind of a nail biter. What do you think? I'm going 31-24. I think uh, they get some swagger back this game. I think it's a it's a must win. Uh, you know, some people some people might you know it's just you know no it's a must win. You got to get this game. I think they get some urgency. That's the thing that they've been lacking the last couple of weeks is urgency. I've I've been I I'm pretty much right on with you. I'm I'm at 30-23 win. I think the uh, offense will show up a little bit more. Uh, Carson Wentz will open up a little bit more, spread the ball around to maybe Shelton Gibson again, who, who he had, he had a nice, nice catch. Or I, th- I think we're going to score some touchdowns this game, maybe get a defensive score. I think we went 30-23. to 23. Nail butter like last year, 27-21 birds. I think it's going to be another nail butter. We, like we've been waiting year. on the man. We brought in the heavy gun. Okay. No, no, I was saying as far as Dustin scored, yeah. right? Okay. Yep. I've got it 27-17 Eagles. Okay. But it's going to be 27-10. And that seven comes late, meaningless, just to add more volume to that score. I think I'll go back to that field goal last week. Giants are done. And I, damn it, I don't care about my predictions being wrong the last two weeks. I'm sticking to this one. They're going to handle this team. I know we're all concerned, rightfully so. You guys all bring up valid reasons. But for me, it's 27 27- 17 victory, and they even have to struggle to 17. See, that's why we brought them into the studio. Well, if they that's lose. That's why we brought in. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, and if they lose, you never invite them back right. again. Kick my ass out. Aton Shander, Shander Show, we appreciate my you pleasure. being in studio. It's an honor. Thank you. It's an honor for us honor to have you. Honor for us. 
Anybody who's going to be at MetLife Stadium for Eagles, Giants, Gale, Trox, and yes, I, sir. and my brother Big, we're going to be roaming the parking lots, crashing the parties. Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe the T-shirts, the uh, shirts go on sale tomorrow. You have to go on sale at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. tomorrow, our 30% off T-shirt sale starts. So, again, support the show. Subscribe on iTunes. Give us that rating, that five-star rating, and a positive review. NBC's watching, baby. Let's go. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! football we're talking eagles football you're listening to fourth and john wait what the is a john anyway this is tracks in the bushes just kidding whatever i'm gonna get real weird with it you're talking to my guy all wrong it's wrong tone you can't handle the truth i warned you We, we fed him uh, pork roll. Yes, you did. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.